Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sobertown. This is King13 here, uh, bringing to you another fantastic podcast. And I just want to let you know a little bit about Sobertown. I know that you've actually clocked on here. So when you're done, just have a little look around the site. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything to do with sobriety. And I belong to an app called I Am Sober. It is a free app that you can download, and it will count your days as far as not drinking which is terrific not only will it do that but you'll also make some friends there too because you can post and you can actually read everybody else's different timelines and before you know it we you know you'll be making friends and we have zooms that you can come to that are unofficial and it really has helped myself and the ladies that are joining me today stay sober so today i am joined by some ladies who are very, very good friends of mine. We were just chatting and we have a total of 1,263 sober days between the four of us, which is fantastic. So what we wanted to do was get together being the new year. This is the first podcast I'm doing for 2022. So happy new year to all you out there. And we wanted to help those who are starting out their journey and are maybe looking as to what to expect and you know what the challenges are going to be and also just any tools that we can give you to help you along your way in your journey so i am actually joined by a breakground how are you i am great thanks for having me yeah absolutely and swirl monkey hey thanks for having me Debs. it's great to be here and ashley bear thanks so much for having me Debs. i'm happy to be here so these ladies all belong, we all belong in the same group together. So that was kind of them to volunteer their time tonight and just spend some time with me so we can talk to you guys. And as I said, just help you along your way. So basically what we want to do now is we want to just get into a little bit. I don't know who wants to start. Um, let's talk about the first couple of weeks, ladies. What did you find were the most challenging parts of that I mean I can start if you want but mine's mine's a bit gruesome <laughs> because all right you want me to get going okay I'll tell you and then hopefully yours wasn't as bad as mine I've been a long-term drinker you know for well just let's just say a long long time and um I hadn't really I've only ever had one break and so when I started out this journey I won't go into all the details I just had enough and I decided I was going to stop I locked myself basically in a room. I did no preparation, which I would not recommend, guys. If you have really, you know that you have an issue and if you're shaking or you, you feel like, you know, you're in a really bad way, please go to your primary care physician. Do not do this alone. I would not advise that to anyone. The reason for that is you can have seizures and actually get in real serious trouble and even die. Um, so that's my first, first train of thought. If you think that you're just a moderate drinker and you just want to stop, then that is okay too. But my first two weeks were hell. I locked myself away and I just basically just white knuckled it and tried to get through it. Um, what I can say is that you're going to need to hang on and buckle yourselves in, okay? It's not going to be easy, but it will pass. And at the times that you feel like you are struggling the most, that you just want to give in, I want you to say to yourselves, just dig in a little deeper, just a little deeper, it will pass. And when you get past that excruciating moment, and you will, I promise you, it will get easier and easier, okay? And when oh, I ended up going to bed really, really early, did you guys do that too? Did you find yourself just wanting to get to bed for the day? 
Yeah, I was that yes. way for sure. <laughs> yeah, and what I else did you guys do? Yeah, go on, please. Somebody just... I, I was just going to say, I completely changed my schedule because I knew for me drinking at night was a problem. And so I was in bed probably around 8.30, just like I just wanted to be in bed that early. And I was waking up super early too. And then I was using those early mornings to kind of like meditate and have a good start to my day. But I completely shifted my schedule to avoid that time where it was hardest to, to get through. Yeah, good point. Change your schedule. What about you other ladies? My, mine was a little bit different in that, um, for me, it was kind of the opposite side of the coin. Um, it was, I guess you'd say moderation was no longer working for me. And I was drinking more and more and saying I was moderating. So I can speak to how that first couple of weeks, my head kept going back to, oh, well, you're fine. You, you can go back to drinking, moderate, you've got this. And I had to keep telling myself that that wasn't the case because obviously it, it had gotten away from me. And, um, that was my biggest struggle at the beginning was just that monster in the back of my head saying, see, you did, you did a week, you did two weeks. You're Mm. fine. You you don't have any problems here. But Mm. realistically, when the longer I stayed away from the alcohol and realizing just how much I'd been drinking and not focusing on it, and then going through all of, all of the ups and downs, I started realizing, you know, alcohol wasn't doing anything for me. It never did me any favors anywhere in my life. And so I was the same way. I'd start going to bed early because, you know, I wasn't going to sit at home and have a cocktail before I went to bed. So I was the same way. And you break ground? Yeah, for me, it was, um, you know, I I quit after I realized that moderation was just a big failure all around. So um, and I think the first couple of weeks, it really came down to changing my um, evening habits. So because that's when what separated my workday from, you know, sort of my relaxation time at home since I work at home. Um, so I found that, you know, right after dinner would be the time typically that I'd be like, okay, it's time to, you know, start drinking, but I had to change those habits a little bit. And, um, I found tea really worked. Um, so I'd start having tea and actually started looking forward to that. Um, and then I'd take some time away just to start reading and whatever else I just, you know, distraction and focusing my energy on different things until that voice would start quieting down and those became new habits yeah I think that's a very very good point someone said to me when I um, sought out some advice from someone who's been sober 25 years they said you're going to find you have a real lot of time on your hands and you got to get busy and I'm like no we're right yeah guess what I didn't realize how many hours I spent drinking but that point of getting home after work guys you know because the majority let's face it work is really like it is it's a huge trigger isn't it because I would come in too stressed out from the day and straight to the fridge almost before I my tracksuit pants on and got into some comfortable clothes they were the two main priorities um and it's really it's hard to do break that because really it's a really bad habit right Mm -hmm. and so I can remember putting notes on the fridge like do not open (laughs) trying to just just tell myself you know I you can't like no and I remember doing silly things like that but I also remember as I said to you I became my own best friend and coach and this is where the only preparation I did because I was flying blind was okay you wouldn't let your best friend do this to herself I can't deal with you right now because you're just a, a mess 
So what we're going to do is we're going to look after the best friend and we're going to treat her right and we're going to coach her through this. And then I started saying a mantra that alcohol was irrelevant to me every single day. Just alcohol's irrelevant. Alcohol's irrelevant about 20 times a day every day. Because I thought, all right, you can, we believe things that people tell us or we believe something if we're told it enough, okay? Hence, a lot of people today don't feel worthy because maybe as children they were told that they weren't so I figured okay this is what I've got to do now I've got to rewire my brain I've got to tell myself different things alcohol is now the enemy it is the devil and I'm going to treat it as such so that was my whole that was the whole plan that I came up with and I've got to say it wasn't bad because it actually worked but um yeah I started putting notes everywhere I can remember and obviously get rid of all the alcohol in the house. That's another big one too. The tea is a brilliant one. To this day, drink loads and loads of herbal tea. The cravings were, yeah, they were, at a scale of one to 10, the cravings were bad the first two weeks. How, how were you guys? My cravings weren't exactly bad. It was the situation because working in healthcare, I wouldn't even want to venture the guess of the number of us that come home at night and, and have a drink. And so working in healthcare, it was, I definitely had to rewire, as you said, and do things differently and look at what my motivations were. And a lot of my motivation was losing my dad. So I didn't put notes up around my house, but I put up pictures around my house and I chose some good pictures. I chose pictures of my dad and me and of my daughter and my dad, but I also chose pictures of my dad's last couple of days. Because I thought, you know, I need that reminder. This, this can't be moderation for me anymore. This, this is not healthy for me. I needed to get a little bit deeper. And um, I'm one of those that likes to learn. And since I had all this free time and, and I knew I needed to change my thought processes, but I wasn't really sure how, um, I had started Annie Grace's alcohol experiment. And if anyone listening has not heard of it, I highly recommend checking it out. Even if you, you think you're just kind of sober curious and, or you're like, you know, maybe my moderation is not as good as it was, I would still recommend it because what it did for me with me liking to learn so much was it opened my eyes to exactly what alcohol was doing to my brain and to my body. And that was kind of a pivotal moment. I have a degree in biology and I've never thought two, two shakes at all about what I was doing and, and what was happening in my body and, and how it was affecting me and literally going through the alcohol experiment and feeling like crap at day five, day 10, getting, getting all of the stuff that was going through my head and being able to see, Oh, well, this is normal. In the past, I would just blow it off and think, Oh, it's going to be fine. And being able to actually make more sense of it. That definitely, I think was the big factor for me. So the pictures of my dad, and then just absorbing all of the information I could listening to podcasts, reading these books, doing the alcohol experiment, reaching out and talking to people. Those were all things that were very key for me, especially in the first few, few weeks. Yeah, that's a great point. That was the first book I read too. And it did change my life. And it's, this is the interesting thing, right? Because it's such the norm to drink, it's everywhere, right? And what the people that we've seen before us, all right, we know of people now looking back that we have lost, including my biological father. Who, And even when he was on dialysis and I knew that he was, you know, an alcoholic or whatever you want to call it, had alcohol use disorder, it still wasn't enough. It's really, really silly, even though I didn't see him for 33 years. Genetically, we're predisposed if it's in the family, okay? It's not a guarantee, but there are certain factors there from what I've read. And so... 
reading Annie Grace's book, it did put it into English for me. And that's when I found her community first. I did do the 30-day experiment because I thought, this is not about 30 days. This is about me having to stop. And I don't even think I saw that part of it, but I found the community board and I was just watching because it was all, they were all in early days. So I sort of related to that because so was I. Um, what about you guys? What about you, Mel? I um, echo sort of squirrel monkey there in the sense that um, when I quit, I found the 30 day experiment and, right. and I'm a lifelong learner too. So I absorbed everything. And for me, I was like, wow, I didn't know all of this about alcohol. Like I wish somebody would have, you know, like knowing now what I knew or yeah, knowing now what I know, um, I really can't see alcohol back in my life. Um, but I wish I would have known that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. Um, that said, I can't go back, but, um, so I, you know, did the 30 day experiment, which really changed my thinking. Um, but there were moments of white knuckling it. What helped me, I think in my early days, and I don't, you know, recommend this to anybody, but I did have a broken foot. Um, so I also, you know, was managing that and I was like, you know, being on crutches in a boot and, you know, alcohol really wouldn't mix together. So that sort of separated me away from, you know, and shifted my focus. So that's a hell of a way to get sober, break your foot. Well, actually, so you that accident was that was a sober um, accident. No, <laughs> it wasn't even. I mean, the I mean, the fact if you break your foot, so you can't get to the fridge, takes twice as much effort. Yeah, no, that was a sober accident. I do know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but still, it took extra effort, right? It was sort of Very a bit good. of a de de short deterrent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you, Ashley Ben? Yeah, so for me, um, I never actually read any of the Quitlet. I don't think I have really till this day. Uh, but what helped me early on was having a, a really strict schedule. And so that I didn't have a lot of time in the day to um, make my own decisions because I didn't I, and I couldn't rely on on making my own decisions in terms of, you know, like if I was sitting at home, um, and I had too much time available that I would, of course, want to go get a drink. And so I really just kind of filled up my days where, like I said, I was waking up early, I was meditating, I would have work during the day, as soon as I was done work, again, that was, you know, um, a time when I would usually go to the fridge and grab a drink. And instead, I put on my shoes, and I walked out the door and like, didn't think about it. I walked out that door and I would walk and walk and walk until I was so tired <laughs> that I would come home and just kind of crash in bed um, pretty early and and walking to this day really really helps me I think especially when you know I'm stressed or overwhelmed by something it's a really good way to just you know change scenery um, clear my head clear my thoughts and and physically I think early on it was like physically getting out of the house where there was still alcohol it was just getting myself away from it physically and it raises your dopamine walking oh yeah you know, yeah. yeah so that's <laughs> yes it does <laughs> yeah no it's great I mean there's so many things that you can do and I know that when I got through those you know I was heading sort of into the first month and I got busy and I started knitting you know I took up hobbies that I hadn't done for a long long time because again it was something to do with my hands so I would recommend that you guys you know, you might want to read. And education was a big part of it, digging down the holes, because I wanted to know more. I was curious that how could this be? You know, we're all intelligent women. 
how could we be fooled when you realize what alcohol in its true in its true form really is, right? And then I thought, wow, then everyone I know's got issues as well, and no one's aware of it. But it's not until you know you, the old adage of you don't know what you don't know. It's so true, and you thought, how can they? How can this be so that they sell legal poison? This is not. This can't be right. And at first, I thought maybe she was wrong, but then I realized that she definitely was not wrong. And then I went on to read a lot of Quit Lit, a lot. And I was actually reading the book and then journaling in an exercise book at the same time. So I would write all the specific notes. Instead of highlighting, I would write in the exercise book in short form to resonate in my brain, to make it stick because I knew that I had memory problems, you know. Obviously, I'd been numbing my brain for a very long time. And I knew, I thought, well, what's going to happen to me now? Like, you know, I was a bit worried about, how I was going to feel. And then I started reading about, um, and it is my friend Jay who I've had on, and he's done this podcast on getting sober dot, dot, dot again, where it said the 20 benefits in 30 days. And I've actually done a podcast on that on Sober Town as well. And I thought, well, this is good. 20, 20 benefits in 30 days. That sounds good to me. It's better than five in five years, you know. Like I just thought my, my I guess, perception was you stop drinking and I'd be fixed in a month. Isn't that why people go to rehab? And I realised that it was the furthest thing from the truth. So what we, what did you guys think when you came into it? Because I was really scared that I couldn't do it. I, 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 was, people... I was terrified when I started back in. Because oh, yeah. I, I've, I've, done, I've done periods of not drinking and, and my longest stint for, it's been a while back, was about 19 months and... And I was kind of terrified this time around because my motivation was a lot different. There had been a lot of different personal things that had happened in my life and all of it that just went south and blew my life apart was all around alcohol. So I'm like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. But at the same time, I was terrified because I'm surrounded by it. My friends all drink, my family. Um, it's, it's just, it was terrifying. And at first I thought, you know, this was going to be easy and, the first thing that happened to me, and it was probably about day five when your brain's finally starting to get away from the alcohol. And I had been drinking pretty heavy at that point. So it, it was a pretty rough couple of days. So I'd say day five to day seven, I ended up being in an emotional mess because I'm like, wow, where has my head been? What have I been thinking about? Why have I been doing this? And then I just immediately started beating myself up thinking I'm smarter than this. I'm, I'm educated. I shouldn't have done this to myself. How did I let myself do this? And it took me actually joining up for, I had seen the listing for one of the um, I am sober zooms and I'm at work. I'm covered in my COVID PPE and I had a little bit of a break and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. And if I don't do something, I'm going to go home and I'm going to drink. And so I popped onto a meeting and I, I kind of hung out in the back a little bit, didn't show my face, didn't take part, but then finally did kind of step in. And that was the most validating experience I had. And it will always resonate with me because I felt terrible. I physically felt terrible. Emotionally, I was a mess. I was having to face a lot of things I had buried for the last year. And I was beating myself up. And just to have people that I could talk to, they're like, stop beating yourself up. You're here. You took that step. You're, you're doing what you need to do. And that was, it was pivotal, pivotal for me to do that because 
that was my first thing was, was grief and just hate on myself. And I mean, that's what gets us here in the first place. We, we can't keep piling that, that shit on, you know, we've got to stop hating on ourselves and forgiving ourselves so we can move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like going through, seriously, it's like going through the bloody the gates of heaven when you actually get onto a Zoom and you look, because yeah. you think you're the only one. I thought, oh God, no one's like me. I'm really bad. This is really like, what's going to happen? And how am I going to do it? And I can't do it. And I can't live without alcohol. And I was in a mad panic before it even started because it was so beyond my comprehension that this could be done because, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to cope? You know, this is my life. And I had come to really believe that I, this is the way I was going to die. And I'd made peace with it. And I really didn't even want to be on this earth. I was in such a dark place anyway. And it really had such a grip on me that he was like, yeah, got you right where I want you. Now I've since learned that it is a progressive thing. You drink enough, often enough, it's going to get everybody in the same way. And it does. It makes you feel absolutely revolting. And when I was actually going through those first two weeks of detox, you know, you get so bad. It's a bit like when you're really, really, really sick and you just want to get better. You know what I mean? You just want to feel better. And then I remember waking up one day and all of a sudden I felt really good. I woke up and I was so thrilled. I'm like, oh, and then I even then I thought I was healed because I felt better, you know. And then, like you said, the, the clarity was coming back and my body had settled down and I started feeling energetic again and I started to feel like all the, all the anxiety and all of a sudden I can remember the anxiety and the depression and just everything lifting, like just going and my body almost returning back look, into my skin because, you know, it was, it was horrible. I was having terrible anxiety attacks and just, and I, and I didn't feel as worried anymore. So it was like great relief. I can tell you that much. It was such a relief to sort of just not feel as bad as I did. And then I remember saying to myself, you're never going back there. It was like, as I said, it's like I just transformed through a door into another stage of something. I don't know. Maybe I'm sounding a bit crazy, but that's what, that's what it was like for me. What about you ladies? Yeah, I, I would say something similar. Like I, the one word that comes to mind a lot as um, I'm listening to you speak um, and reflecting on my own journey was like um, I had a lot of hope. And I think it was like kind of the fact that I was in such a dark, desperate place. I knew that there had to be something better and that and I had never tried um quitting drinking before. And so I had never really had any length of time or any, you know, sort of um, days strung together sober. And so I, I really just had nothing to lose. And I'm like, this has to change something. Um, it's going to change something. I'm going to do this and I'm going to commit to it because yeah, I have nothing to lose. And then similar to what you said, whereas like, of course, I think initially it's really hard because you do have those physical cravings. And also um, a lot of the time I was using it to deal with I'm really bad at dealing with any emotion, even if I'm really happy, really excited, or it could go mm. the other way. Like, I just don't like it because it just feels so strong. And so it was, of course, hard in those moments um, to not drink, but that that eventually subsided. And, and also I found that my emotions weren't as strong anymore once I put down the drinking yeah. because they weren't this like... Um, they weren't so polarized, right? Like it wasn't like these like yeah. really high highs and really low lows. And so it actually became easier to deal with the emotion as well once I put down. The 
Right, yes. And I said, you know what? I said I became where everything became less dramatic. It just settled down, you know. Oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that at all. I can remember um, sitting in my emotions and doing what what someone in one of the meetings had said to do. And because I was having to face emotions I had put out and just not dealt with for a year. So I was just a, it was awful. It was an ugly mess. And the advice was, you're just going to have to sit with it, feel it, forgive yourself and move forward. But it was ugly for me. (laughs) I can't sit with it. I can't do that. See, I was angry. I was angry at alcohol for lying to me. So I was pissed off. I was swearing at it. I was like, you know, every craving I got, I was just telling it to F off. I really was in a fight with my shield and sword. I was in that arena and I was fighting it off. And that was the only way that for me, I was going to win because one of us was going to win. I was either going to cave or I was going to break through the barrier and get and kick its ass. And fortunately, I did. That sounds, again, very dramatic. <laughs> Go figure. But couldn't sit with it no that, that you know I just had to get rid of it I just well, had to I just yeah but later for on me, for I me going through that. for me going through I, I have to admit and I will say this that even though it was it was hard and it was ugly and um, I'm so glad I went through it because I'm glad that I wasn't using alcohol as the escape and trying to just avoid it um, I'm a lot happier. I'm a lot more whole than I have felt in a very long time. And I'm a, I'm a lot more at peace and I'm able to face a lot more. So I'm glad that mine was hard because that was what I needed in order to get my attention and to make me move forward and to not continue to go back to using alcohol to hide from everything. So while it was ugly and, and it was painful, um, it was the best thing that happened to me. And, I, and I'm glad that I went through it the way that I did. Yeah, I went, well, mine was ugly and painful really early. Then I got really angry. And then my tears came later when I had settled into it a little bit. What about you? What about you, um, Break Ground? So I guess I had some inspiration at home. My husband um, just passed his six years sober. So for me, I mean, you know, and he was already four months when I met him. So, you know, I didn't really see him go through a lot of the early stages or anything like that. So when I made the decision, I was actually away from home. Um, I had such a fear of failure though, that I wasn't going to be able to do Mm. this. So, and, you know, seeing him having gone so long, being sober and not really struggle. I mean, we talked about it, you know, in some conversations, but not to great depth. Um, And he never made any mention to me about my drinking. Um, Thankfully, we didn't get to that point, but um, I had a, you know, in my mind, you know, I don't want to fail at this. What if I do? What if I suck? You know, I sucked at moderation. What if I suck at quitting too? Um, so, you know, I, but I had that sort of as inspiration and, you know, could lean on him. So it was ugly, but, um, you know, I had, I guess, yeah, that inspiration to help me through. And then once I was able to start sleeping again and, you know, full nights of sleep and just waking up more refreshed, finally, after so many years of, you know, interrupted sleep, um, it was a huge help. That's a good point. I haven't had one full night's sleep since. Is anybody else back to a sleeping rate on a, 
I get up to go to the bathroom too many times during the night. It's because of all that tea, right? I kept, I kept waiting because everybody's like, oh, it'll, it'll happen in 90 days. Oh, it'll happen at four months. I know. I know. I'm no. still waiting. But, so you know, maybe maybe it's a hormonal thing because just turning 50, maybe that's got something to do with it. But I don't sleep through the night. But I don't know. I just gave up on that ever happening. <laughs> but the quality of sleep is so much better yes, even if is. you go down for two or three I still go to bed early I'm in that routine now because I know and because I talk to different countries and they're up when in the middle of my night it's okay for me because I don't have to get up for work so my, my mind I mean my time's a bit more flexible but the quality of sleep is better and like and I'm even it took me though it took me up until six or seven months I think about the eighth month everything just started to settle down and it's a lifestyle, not a death sentence. I want to say that to you guys out there. You know, you've just, you're going to go through, and this is where it's interesting between the four of us here talking to you tonight, is that all our journeys are different. Even though we experience very similar symptoms, we don't necessarily experience them at this exactly the same time. Um, in the first year, you're going to go through a hell of a lot, and it does depend on your environment, what you're dealing with, your personal situations, your work situation, all these outside factors that are your life are going to contribute how you navigate this journey. Um, whether you've got support, whether you don't have support. You know, there's so many things. The one thing that I know has worked for me without a shadow of a doubt is the Zooms. And you all ladies know we see each other there all the time. I just turned up. You make the connections. It's been said connections, the opposite of addiction. I repeat it all the time in Zooms. So that is what is working for me. Find yourself a base. And if you're not on the I Am Sober app, join now. All you've got to do is download it and join. And within 15 minutes, you'll find yourself talking and posting and reading and on your way. So what about you, Ashley Bear? How have you been? What have, what have you been experiencing? Because you've got lots of days. Um, yeah, like in terms of um, what's working for me, well, just I, what, how, you know, did you experience the same things when you started out? Like, because we're hopefully trying to talk to a lot of people who are sort of within the first, well, anything from day zero to, you know, that's up to the first year. Yeah, um, I guess starting out, like, um, like I said, like, of course, yeah, it was definitely um, challenging. I had to, to kind of stick to that routine that I created. And even to this day, like, I really do rely on a lot on routine to just keep my mind, um, you know, busy, distracted, but then also a lot of those things. Um, so whether it's uh, meditation or exercising, I find really, really greatly, uh, help me help my anxiety, help my mental health just in general. Um, I didn't find that there was any, um, major surprises like from a negative standpoint I think I kind of knew physically it would be hard um, going kind of through the detox initially um, but after that subsided I think physically like you said like I just had so much more energy my like spirits were just like I felt happy um, I also noticed that even just like relationships with people I was able to um have a deeper connection with people. And then you guys had mentioned the Zooms. Like I met people on these Zooms and created friendships 
um, deeper and stronger than I had in real life. Right. And so I think that, you know, that connection piece is so important, but I think also when I was drinking a lot of the, those relationships and friendships were all, of course, very superficial is all based around drinking. And so I, I think I, I noticed a lot of positive things, which really just, um, helped me to continue to move forward. And, and of course, I think I noticed some things like my anxiety, for example, at five months had really peaked and I had never actually had panic attacks in the past. And I started developing panic attacks five months into sobriety. Um, And that was interesting because I think at the time I was like, okay, everyone says, you know, things get better and easier and it feels like they're getting worse um, because I, I had developed these panic attacks. But I knew just from reading on IS, as well as attending Zooms, that other people had experienced something similar a little ways into into their sobriety and that they just, you know, continued and forged through it. And it did get better. And for me, that was the case as well. My my panic attacks um, completely subsided. Um, My anxiety is still there, but it's not, I don't think, nearly as bad as when I was drinking. I think, you know, that's the big thing. Anything that you're experiencing when you stop, anything. You find people who go, oh, yeah, I've, I've had that too. Even if you're completely different from those that you were talking to. If you post on the I Am Sober app about something that you're going through, people will just come out of the blue and go, oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden you feel like, oh, it's normal. I'm not. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. That's the beauty of it because you can, you don't know these people. And so you've got nothing to lose. You can be completely honest. You can be authentic and you can make those connections and you don't have to worry about the judgment. That's what's beautiful about it. You can find people to connect with that are going through the same thing and are willing to admit it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's a very relaxed atmosphere. Unlike some others that I have been in and I really I was at such a loss. I didn't think anything like this existed. And I have not about you ladies, but I have not heard anybody that has said, oh, my God, you know, I wish I hadn't have signed up for IAS. Everybody is thankful for the support, for the friendship, the love. I mean, like you said, no judgment. Yeah. We don't, you don't have to do anything. You can come in and listen and then now we've got all the smaller Zooms like the ladies and everything else and we've really branched out. There's a platform now with Sober Town and the Zooms that weren't, there weren't as many as available when I started a year ago. We, we put a lot of things in place last year. So the help is there and that's just fantastic. It really is. And Ashley, you're right. I mean, if you took a piece of pen and paper and said, okay, the fours and against not drinking, I can tell you which column's going to be longer and what, you know, the things that, because you can forget, you can forget about all the bad things that happened and that little voice will creep in and say, all right, well, you're six months now, Deb. Maybe you can, you know, maybe just have one. You've got to go to a wedding and everybody else will be drinking and you don't want to feel left out. And as soon as I hear him even start, shield, sword, decapitation, goodbye, another chopped head. Off he goes, roll away. And, um, and I don't even entertain the thought. Now, as far as tools that we can share with people, um, whoever's read Annie Grace, talk about ACT. I don't care whoever it is. I don't remember what the, the acronym stand for. <laughs> yeah, it was Awareness, Clarify and Turn Around. Remember? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, that actually worked for me. I 
actually had it written down on a sticky note on my computer, but I moved my yeah. computer in the kitchen for this. And so the sticky note's not there, but that, it, that is a big one because no matter what you're going through, whether you're thinking about a drink or, you, or you're feeling anxiety or you're feeling just stressed or you're feeling scared, um, it makes you take that pause to try to think about it and um, kind of assess and turn it around into something more positive. And I think that that's important because it's not just about getting sober. It's about dealing with our emotions as we're doing this. So yes, when you're thinking about wanting to have that drink, you can apply that, but it's the same if you're starting to have negative thinking, if you're starting to um, think about a situation or what you should have said or what you should have done, instead of beating yourself up, you take the time to think about it and then you can turn it around and you start thinking about the positives instead. And I think that was a really big one for me because I was the queen of negative self-talk and it didn't matter what the topic was. It was just constant negative self-talk. And by being able to stop, think about it, acknowledge what I was thinking about and try to turn it around into something positive that made all the difference in the world. Absolutely. And you know what? We beat ourselves up so much. Somebody else will do it for you. Don't bother. Don't waste your energy. And the other one that I love too, that I learned was HALT. You know, you guys know about HALT, right? Ask yourself, and you said the key word, and I think, um, break ground, you might want to talk about this because you mentioned to me on several occasions about pausing, and I was like, oh, God, do I have to pause? If I pause, I'm going to get anxious, and then I'm going to be worried, and then I didn't know what about HALT was. Do you want to talk about what HALT is? So um, it's an acronym for um, when we can often get triggered. So um, typically hunger, um Anger. 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 Yeah, I was gonna say it, but I was like, oh, is that right? You can make um, you can make you can put anything in there as long yeah. as you as long as you come up with something. But yeah, sorry. So it's hungry, yeah. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, um, which are common triggers for a lot of people. Um for me, I don't know that I really you know, found those in my triggers for me, it was just my separation from the day. It was my, you know, reward for working all day. And it was just, you know, it, it was what I thought was going to be my stress relief. It was what I thought would help me sleep better. It was what I thought, you know, um, you know, it was just, it was really an escape for me. Um, not, you know, I haven't associated it with being tired, um, tired necessarily or anything mm-hmm. like that, but I do find value in it. And I, I know that some people have, you know, um, had a lot of success with that yeah and I'm like um squirrel I used to act a lot too and that can actually be used in any scenario in your life you know what I mean awareness is the big key whether you pause no matter what you know it's happening you think oh crap there it is again I'm having another craving and there's the attic voice and once and it is about controlling the craving in the attic voice it doesn't matter how you do it there is no right or wrong way and we all do different things it's whatever works for you to stop you. What about you, Ashley Bear? What did you do? What did you say about your cravings to yourself? Um, when the cravings came up, um, I don't, I don't think I trusted myself to deal with it um, by talking to myself because I think similar to Squirrel Monkey, like a lot of my uh, self talk is very negative, um, and so it really did come back to kind of those physical pieces. Like if there was a craving or something like that, like I needed to do something. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and to this day, um, whether it's a craving or it's a strong emotion, like I'll go and like get on the yoga mat and do something or start a meditation. Like I, I need to 
do something to completely um, distract myself. And meditation also has been really key because I also am an overthinker and I'm like constantly, my brain's always going a million miles an hour and meditation for me. And I don't know if everyone will resonate with this, but really feels like a vacation from my brain for 10 minutes. And <laughs> that's, and, and that's what alcohol was too, in a lot of ways, where it's like, I just want to stop thinking. I just need to shut this up. And so I'd pick up a drink, but I found that meditation has honestly been just like, it's been so amazing. Some days I'll do it once a day. And sometimes when I'm having a rough day, I'm doing it four times a day. But for me, I just find it extremely helpful. And I know somebody else who does it all the time, don't you? I do. Yeah. Um, like you, Ashley, um, you know, I found a lot of solace in do, getting back to yoga um, and doing the meditations as well. So um, using that insight timer and it's been a, about a lot of spiritual growth and just personal growth as well. So, um, I didn't know that, you know, getting sober was more than just putting down the drink, but it really has been. Do I've been more the physical activity. Um, I, I do some yoga and I do some meditation, but that's more just to keep myself limber. Um, for me, it, it was physical. Um, whenever I would start having cravings or e even emotional battles, I, I would have to get out and exercise and there I, I will always remember there was one day I walked my dog so many times. He literally laid down and said, not now I am not going anymore. I'm laying on the floor. You can go without me. I'm done. And it's better now. He hasn't revolted in quite a while, but um, it's also prime hiking season in the States. So um, I do in my free time, I do a lot of hiking. And for me, um, to get that Zen that I think you guys get when you, when you like meditate or do yoga, I have to hike like 14 miles. <laughs> so as far as the physical goes, yeah, I, I might be a little over the top, but that's the only time I can get it to that point where I'm literally thinking about nothing. I've always heard that men can think literally about nothing. The only time I can get to that point is when I am hiking or um, doing some sort of physical activity like kayaking or something. It's, it's where I find my peace, but um, early days, a lot of walks and I have a little tiny miniature schnauzer that weighs a whole 10 pounds. So when you make them walk 10 miles, they get a little angry at you. <laughs> He's like, I don't have the problem, but you do leave me alone. <laughs> Yeah, 10, 10 pounds. He was probably two pounds by the time you got back. Oh, <laughs> so sad. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. See, this is where all you ladies sound so together, and I'm sitting here going, well, I ate. <laughs> I don't do meditation. I can't do yoga. My brain stops. And I really need to do physical because I really like the physical, like getting it out. And I've danced 70 pounds off before, and now I ate 70 pounds on. So it was a shocking year for me. I said, I'm the only person that got sober and looks worse, but that's okay. What we're going to have to do now is we're going to have to change and learn. I just find it hard sitting still and getting that mind to, to slow down. So I'm okay if I'm it's like here sitting on the river and watching the boats go by. That's like a meditation for me. I'll just zone out to that. You know, like I can watch if something's going on, but then even I can remember watching movies drinking and I wouldn't even know what was going on I'd be staring at the telly but there was nothing in here because the brain was numbed you know what I mean it was like oh oh someone talked about the movie I was like don't remember a thing 
don't remember anything. And that's when I was worried about my memory when I started and that's why I started reinforcing writing books, you know, and journaling and doing all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you're inspirational. But again, like I said, everybody is different. It was just, you know, don't drink no matter what. Mm-hmm. So we've come up with the staying busy, routines. I mean, motivation's a big one too. You've got to have the motivation. And I think what's important is setting small goals. Don't, don't have unrealistic expectations, guys. Um, it takes a while to accept a lot of things that will happen to you and you'll go through and you'll question, and they say never question the decision to go back. Um, I don't want to give it all away because, you know, you'd be like, well, she said I was going to experience this and I didn't. Um, but there's a lot there's a lot to unfold and you've just got to hang in there. But it's all good stuff. It really is. And you've got to remember there was a reason why you were drinking in the first place. What started out as social, like for me, didn't end up very social in the end at all. And isolation and loneliness will really, especially during COVID times, we're seeing a lot more, you know, of the numbers rising. Um, reach out and just get some support, get some help and get on the app. I think that's a really, really good start. What else do you, rec- do you ladies recommend? There's a lot more there, but I thought I'd let you guys help as well. I think, you know, um, coming from the healthcare aspect of it, because I'm the one yeah. that has worked in the COVID crisis for this, this whole duration, and one of the things that I see that a lot of us struggle with is because of all of the emotional side of it in, in dealing with the burnout, um, being authentically honest with your friends, with your coworkers, and sharing in the burden and sharing in the grief and sharing in the stress. Um, I think that helps in the long run a lot better as opposed to each of us trying to do it on our own. Because even though you may think you're the only one in the closet crying, someone's in a bathroom crying. So you be authentic about your emotions if you're if you're drinking and you're in the healthcare, because the alcohol it doesn't fix it. It, it just it masks it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the best things that those of us that are in this can do is just be honest about our emotions. And even if it's not with your family members, if it's just with a certain few coworkers, just allowing yourself to feel it because if you don't allow yourself to feel it and you're constantly in that mode of doing your job and focusing and putting all the emotions behind you, you'll run into what I did and you'll hit burnout and you got to deal with it before you hit burnout. And I think being, that's one of the lessons I learned with going through my burnout counseling is be authentic with your emotions and find a few people that you can share it with, whether it's people you work with or like on an IA, on an IAS Zoom meeting or something. But be honest, because the alcohol that you thought was fixing everything, it's not. You're not. You're not facing your emotions. You're not facing your heartbreak. Um, you've got to face it and be authentic. That's all you can do. Be authentic. Be vulnerable and recognize that alcohol doesn't fix it. So find something that does. And I I think for me and a lot of people I know, getting the alcohol out of the equation definitely helps you realize that, you know, there's, there's better ways to deal with it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Ashley, what do you want to say, doll? 
Yeah, I would say that one thing that's really helped me and I have to continue to do to this day is always check in on myself and 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 ask myself, like, how are these things working for you? I think that in this community, there's no shortage of things that people are doing and you'll hear a lot and you'll take in a lot, whether it's through reading or listening to podcasts like this or just having conversations with people. There's so much you could do and so many ideas and suggestions. Um, and, and I think initially I was eager to kind of take it all on. And then I became a little bit overwhelmed with, you know, oh, I should be doing this and I should be doing this. Um, I'm a lot more easy on myself now. Um, and so, and, and I kind of use this philosophy where it's like, I'll try anything, but I don't need to keep it. And so if I try it and it works and it helps, then I'll keep it and I'll continue to do it. And if it doesn't, then I get rid of it. It's not about, you know, piling on all of these to do's now that I'm sober. (laughs) Um, and then, yeah, that last piece around kind of even changing the way that I speak to myself. So instead of like, oh, I should, you know, exercise and I should eat healthy. And of course I want to be able to eventually, you know, do all of these things, but putting that pressure on myself is, is not going to help in any way. And so like I use different language and say like, I could get up and, you know, cook a healthy meal or I could order takeout today. And so I'm also just a little uh, more easy on myself. Um, so it's kind of two, two things. Yeah. Easy on my, easier on myself, a little more compassionate towards myself. And then also continuing to learn on this journey, but not feeling the need to take everything on. Yeah. Good point. What about you, Brightground? I think um, the one thing I would maybe say is just, you know, I know a lot of us and I won't, you know, bucket everybody, but um, sort of struggle with self-worth. But I think if you're feeling vulnerable and, you know, um, having, you know, cravings or struggling, then you're worthy to reach out and somebody will be there. Um, I found that in the community so much and, you know, I just, you know, I get saddened when people come back afterwards and say, well, I didn't reach out cause I didn't think anybody, you know, whatever. So I just think that it's important to know your worth and know that there is a community there to help. Yeah, absolutely. And look, guys, this is not easy. We've said this before. And I, you know, have said to everybody that um, if you have a slip, okay, and you end up drinking, just you see all these comments on the app of, oh, my God, I've done it again. And, and it's just all negative And it's all shame. And I've got a saying of no shame, no blame. It's happened. You can't change it. You're going to need to save all your energy to get back on board and keep trying. And this is the deal. Just don't ever give up. You've got to really, really want it. And if you do, you will really, really get it. I can promise you that. It is attainable. We are all self-managing now. And it's not a a one-size-fits-all. You know, it's like um, Ashley Bear said, and I do the same thing. I take a little bit of whatever I've researched or whatever I'm doing, and you do change. You know what? Like last year, I was really into Quit Lit for the first six, seven months read every book under the sun. Then come toward the end of the year, I wasn't doing that anymore. Now I'm going into my second year, it's maintenance and it's getting physically fit and getting my health together. So things will change. I don't want to talk too far ahead. I think we might have to do part two, ladies, on, you know, when you get further down the track, like sort of the six to 12 month period, because different things happen. Right now, we're just trying to take the stigma away. If you fall off the wagon, do not feel the shame. Do not beat yourself up as I said somebody else will do that for you okay um 
there's it's just something I don't know why we carry that. I mean, we know that alcohol basically lies to us at the end of the day. It'll make you feel good for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then you're just chasing your tail after that. I don't know about you ladies, but I've never I've never laughed so much as I did last year. I didn't even know that was possible. Belly laughs, crying laughs, giggling for no particular reason. The pink cloud, and we can talk a little bit about that some other time, but the pink cloud basically is when you're feeling really good and you get that little pings of happiness all the time and you're like, what was that? Like, why, why do I feel like that? This is how normal people who don't drink feel when they're happy. It's just we were so numb that we buried everything so far down that we could not feel it. So now I think you have we, to allow yourself to feel it too, because that, that was my yes. thing. And, and it took yes. a, a good friend of mine to say, it's okay to be happy. It's okay to right. feel this. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> and why do we feel like we don't deserve it? We deserve every bit of it. You know, we're good people. Yes, you know, and there's so many out there now that are going through the same thing and are sitting probably listening to this thinking, Oh my God, I'm lost. What do I do? Well, this is what you do. You go back and you listen to us again and you, you take just a little bit of what we've said because these are raw, unedited and real people and this is what we have found. And we just want to share it with you and, and just help you get to where we are today. And look, it's not going to be a perfect roadmap. It's not. We're going to go off the exit ramp sometimes and, and we don't feel good. Like I had a horror day yesterday, but it will pass again. And today was a different day and I woke up and that's the thing. You wake up bright, feeling good. And I choose, and I say this, I get to wake up and feel great. I choose to wake up and feel great. And I talk to myself in a positive manner these days. And I, you know, I say, you do believe it. And buy yourself little gifts. I've said this. If you get to a week and that's, you never thought you would, buy yourself something at the end of that week. Reward yourselves. Start being your own best friend. So is there anything else? I'm going to close it up, ladies. But is there anything else that you want to add to anything else that we've said? So to the listeners, because, I mean, we can go on and on and on by this. I think it's a good start. I think we've given you guys enough for the moment. And I want to thank you ladies very, very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, that went really, really quick. And I just know that we're going to help some people out there. So, guys, what we might do is we might even come back to you with some more good stuff that, that we have found because I'm sure once we get off here, we'll, see, we'll think, oh, and what about, and what about, and what about. But anyway, um, I just want to say thank you again. Have a great night and thank you for listening. And as I said, go check out Sobertown um, Podcast, the website, there's books there. There's Todd's blogs. There are actually lots and lots of um, member stories from IAS that they have told that I think you'll probably really resonate with. So you're not alone and we're here to help and I will see you next time. So from me, King13, it's bye. From Breakram. Bye. Squirrel Monkey. Bye. And Ash. Take care. Okay. And guys, one bit of advice, pull the poison down the sink, you'll do yourself a favour. And I will see you next time. This is King 13 signing off.